Hey everybody, this is Raymundo Gonzalez. And this is Jamani Rosario. Welcome to the Latinx Guard Podcast. We hope you enjoy the show. Remember, everything we say is just for fun. Nothing's meant to be taken too seriously. If you are going to be a hater, stay a hater. But either way, support. Welcome everybody to Latinx Guard Podcast, episode 13. Spooky number 13. And there's a reason... (laughs) There's a reason why. First of all, we are visited by the ghost of Christmas past, Anthony Grajales. Hey. Hello. Hey, before we go any further, um, for any of you haters, uh, just uh, stay hating. We love Anthony. We're going to keep having him on. I'm Steve Erkel. Right. So (laughs) thanks, everybody, for joining us for episode 13 on the podcast. Once again, I am your host, Ramona Gonzalez. And this is Giovanni Rosario. And we really appreciate everybody who's been telling us that they've been listening to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. It was such a hassle trying to get it on there. It was much easier trying to get it on Spotify. So thank you all for your patience in our efforts to get it up appreciate on there. Appreciate you. Now, today is a very special episode. Uh, a brief warning before we get into it. There is a content warning. We are going to be talking about subjects concerning uh, sexual assault, sexual harassment, harassment in general, physical violence. So predatory behavior in pred- general. Predatory behavior in general. So if that's something that makes you uncomfortable, this is a content warning on this episode. And we'll we'll have a couple of those throughout, but that is number one. Um, and if, again, like Ray said, if you don't fuck with this, if this is something that triggers you, then... then you uh, could come back on the next happier episode. Yes. Hopefully happier. The so, steroid episode. <laughs> <laughs> Why you should do steroids? <laughs> so... What we're going to do today is uh, something a little bit more unusual. We found something on the internet. We will post it in the show notes. It's basically like a, a meme. In um, it's, it's called an iceberg chart. So for those of you who don't know what iceberg charts is, it's basically a format where people take a picture of an iceberg. And the idea is that they post different ideas uh, from the top of the iceberg all the way going down. And then... The ideas at the top of the iceberg are ideas that or ideas or topics that most people who are in the know of the culture know more about, right? And then as you go deeper down in the iceberg, it gets more and more esoteric and more and more sometimes even graphic, right? Because either people turn a blind eye to it or people just are not as aware of it in the culture. So the jiu-jitsu iceberg we're going to be going over today covers a lot of these different topics. The first one are kind of comical. Maybe everybody knows about them. We're going to provide maybe some different perspective that you didn't know about them. Um, but once again, I want to preface this with a warning. Uh, it does get a little dark at times. And I also want to preface this that everything we say today is completely 100% a joke, in jest, ironic, post-irony, nothing we say we actually mean. Um, this is a joke podcast. <laughs> and, all and half-remembered anecdotes from Reddit. It's like, oh, you remember three years ago on Reddit when you read XYZ? Let's just repeat that without yeah. looking like, it back up. None of these are our own theories. None of this is our own, like, uh, you know, like, we're just here. We're, we'll try to tackle as many of these conspiracy theories um, as we can. But obviously, we'll try to keep it light and um, even when it gets a little dark. So also don't get mad at us for trying to make a little light, you know? If we talk about your instructor and or if you we feel, talk about you, or we talk about you and you feel the need to come to where we train and stab us, don't, don't, please, don't stab don't. me, please, unless don't. you're Wilson Paharas, so he can stab me. Nah, we're, we're not, not going. We're not going to let him do that. Me and Ray will take him off for you. There you go. Okay, so <laughs> we're all the same weight. We're going to start. <laughs> we're going to start off on level one of the iceberg chart. We'll call this the um, intro class level. Okay. Right? 
So we're going to start off with something that probably most people know about when they get into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because it's probably how most people found out about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu through the internet, which is Gracie Challenge matches. Yes. Right? So what a Gracie Challenge matches are on a surface level is just like these old VHS tapes of the Gracies like challenging other people who do martial arts either in their gym um, or in like uh, maybe, maybe like uh, martial arts competitions. Like some of the most famous ones are... Um, one of the Gracies like finding like a, a kung fu man in like the gold shorts, right? And then quickly taking him down, mounting him, and then triangling him or armbarring him. And another one is like uh, one of the Gracies fights like a Taekwondo instructor, and same thing, takes him down, mounts him, armbars him, or cross chokes him, whatever, right? I like with the worst takedowns too. So it looks like a football tackle. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody takes these Gracie challenge matches right, like right to heart and being like, wow, uh, Gracie Jiu Jitsu at the time was like the new best thing. Yeah, and and like why wasn't everybody doing like um, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? It changed the world, right? But there might be some things that some of our listeners might not know about these Gracie Challenge matches. Uh, Grohal, do you want to talk about this? Well, I mean, in general, I think one of the things that we were going over in the pre-show was that if you're someone who's training grappling on a regular basis, you know that if someone doesn't train grappling, as soon as you grab them, it's pretty much over, right? Like if they really don't know how to do any grappling. And so I think there's an element of when you watch these videos, you're like, I think it's easy for some people to walk away with this idea. Like, wow, these guys are really brave. They were fighting this guy and they took him down. They beat him up. But I think what the idea that I walk away with is that it was like, oh, these are some black belts and there was a white belt and they just beat his ass because they, they knew that like more than 99% of the time, if they grabbed him, they were going to just choke the shit out of him because it's not like the guys they were dealing with were like trained MMA fighters or trained anti-grapplers or super explosive Olympic athletes. They were just like guys who knew some shitty kickboxing. And pretty much as soon as they got that, you know, that quote unquote, like the Gracie <laughs> takedown where they come in on like the weird knee stomp thing, it was, it was a wrap. Yeah. Um, so we're going to transition right to the next one. I would love to talk about talking shit about all of these for as long as we want, but there's a lot of them that we want to get through today. a 10 hour podcast. Yeah. So the next one we're going to go over is UFC one, right? This is what a lot of people attribute. Um, their martial arts careers too, right? They saw UFC 1, they saw Horse Gracie. Felt inspired. Into the ring, yeah, on the Gracie train. And um, they they wanted to train Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu right after that, right? Right. So most people know about UFC 1. Horse Gracie eventually won the whole thing. Doing like Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, he was basically in the octagon, in the gi, which was very unusual. Um, they didn't think that... I, I think they also painted out that he was the smallest competitor at the time in the, in the whole tournament. And um, it was a very... I guess it was a pioneering event in, in mixed martial arts for sure, right? But what a lot of people don't know is that, or maybe what a lot of people don't um, speculate or examine is the fact that Hoyce's brother was the one who organized the event. And now this is not something that the Gracies go and try to hide, right? There are plenty of document, uh, documentaries like saying this, right? Or his brother saying like, yeah, I was the one who organized it. But what a lot of people don't examine is the fact that in that bracket, it seems that Hoyce might have gotten the lighter side of the bracket. Oh, it was yeah. almost as if he was poised to win from the start, mm. right? That they didn't leave much to chance when they were trying to use it almost like as a marketing gimmick in order to, um, I guess, sell Grace's Jiu-Jitsu to the public. Now, yeah. of course, this doesn't decrease the efficacy of Jiu-Jitsu in general. He still had to fight these guys. But at the same time... I think there was something going on behind this behind I, the shade. I think it's I think it's telling that when you go and watch it, and, and you might want to. It's not like a super long event. There's a few. There's like three or four 
kickboxers in that event who are fucking massive, right? Like, I was joking before about the Gracie Challenge matches where they were fighting some guys like 150 pounds, like six feet tall. Like, it looks like he's never done any hard sparring at all. Right. But the guys, the kickboxers who were there, most of them, they, they were pretty legit. Some of them were really legit for kickboxing. And they were huge and they were rooted up. They had like, you know, a shitload of weight on a hoist. And I think it's telling that his first opponent wasn't that way. His first opponent was a guy who was his size or smaller, who was wearing one boxing glove, who they told before he came out into the fight how to tap. They're like, listen, if you break your arm, you're not going to be able to go fight and get real money. And so it's like his first match was essentially like an automatic win. And for yeah. anyone who's ever done a, like single elimination brackets, if your first match is an easy one, that's as good as it's ever going to get as far as like going forward. Yeah. And then the only other grappler in the, in the tournament was on the opposite side of the bracket. Yeah. And he's the one who had to fight the ginormos, as they would say, the <laughs> technical term. So, uh, Giovanni, what is the next one uh, on that first tier, the intro class tier? Um, the intro class tier, so we got Helio versus Kimura. Oh, oh, so this is one that the Gracie family loves talking about. Probably the original, uh, this is like the, the Tupac and Biggie beef without the deaths, right? Like, this is probably the first rivalry in jiu-jitsu. Right. So... What this is on like a service level and why many people like to talk about it is because it's very cultural in the world of jiu-jitsu, right? So you have one of the founders of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Helio Gracie, um, challenging uh, basically a Japanese judoka by the name of Masahiro Kimura, probably? Yes, sir. Um, so, uh, so what ends up happening, they have this super fight in Brazil where, again, there's so many exaggerated details in this like story. One of them being that like 3,000 people showed up and people were sitting on top of one another. Um, Helio brought a coffin for Kimura. He said he was going to put him in the coffin. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. It's crazy, moves. right? So <laughs> eventually what ends up happening is that um, Helio and Kimura do this grappling match and Kimura basically wins the match because he breaks Helio's arm with what is now known as the Kimura lock, which is basically a double wrist shoulder lock. And... Um, they don't allow Helio to continue the match, even though he never really taps out, right? Now, what ends up happening is this, like, inflation of a story where people say, like, oh, Helio actually won the match because he was facing a bigger opponent. And this is where one of the major exaggerations— he for five hours. Yeah. This is where one of the major exaggerations of the story comes into play where— they say that Helio was, like, stricken with polio as a kid, so he only weighs, like, 110 pounds. <laughs> and Kimura weighed, like, 300. He was, like... <laughs> Kimura was a sumo wrestler. He invented the arm of sumo wrestling. Yeah, it Six was, foot eight. It was crazy, but right? before we point out all the flaws of this, um, how could you tap if you got your arm broken? That's, like, like, that's that's really it. That's of course crazy. he couldn't. Of course he didn't tap. He couldn't. So, people say that, like, Helio won this match spiritually, but no, he lost. He, he lost. lost. He got sun. He got yes. sun. Like Kimura was way better. If you watch the video, this video of it, like you could look at it. Kimura is a little bit bigger, but Kimura was like five foot eight, 180 pounds, aka in modern day times, Kimura was a man lit. Yes. You, know, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and Kimura was just like technically better. He was stronger than him, but it was like a maybe 20 pound, 30 pound weight difference. Right. He was technically better. Gracie had a whole bunch of stipulations put in the match to make it easier for him. Like prior to that, Kimura would win matches by a soda garring people and just fucking knocking them out. He would just, because they would do their matches like on, on yeah, floors, yeah. like on hardwood floors. And that's probably not good for your brain health. So they had like extra soft mats and it was like, oh, it's going to be no time limit and all these things. And even with all these stipulations, Kimura like choked him out twice and let go because he wouldn't tap. And then he broke his arm. And it's like, I don't know how many more ways you could get sunned in, in 30 minutes. But yeah. 
Sounds like a good amount right there. Yeah. So we're going to move on to the next tier, right? Uh, let's call this the white belt tier. <laughs> so people have been going to a couple of jiu-jitsu classes. Maybe you know a couple of these. Giovanni, yeah, what's our first one on that tier? The first one, let's, we have Hicks and Gracie's as we're talking about the Gracie's being 400 and 0. This is the anti-Gracie podcast, by the yeah. way. You can't tell. <laughs> a bit of gra- everything that Gracie says is a fucking lie. We got three more at least. Yeah, but, but like, let's just let's just think about it. Like, you're b- both of you are in your twenties, right? Not me. Uh, uh, we're gonna stay. You're in your twenties. Fuck okay, that. Word. Like, we're in your twenties for the podcast. How many fights have you actually been in, and how much have you actually won? Because I know I've been doing jiu for 10 years, and in 10 years, I haven't been in 400 fights. And even if I have, I definitely didn't win them all. That's a lot, man. If you really think about 400 fights, that's crazy. So, so we're counting, this is like matches included, right? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to assume so, right? Because like out of the 400, how many were under a, a rule set? Like there was like, a ref. Yeah, like yeah. there was a ref. And how many of those were like, oh, I'm just going to pull up and fight this guy? Yeah. I mean, I've been competing for... Like, I've been training for, like, seven years, and I've been competing that whole time, and I'm, like, relatively active. I think I only have, like, 130 matches, and I, I can tell you, I, don't, I didn't win all of them. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I didn't win all 130 of those matches, for sure. So, what we're specifically talking about is a member of the Gracie family, Hicks and Gracie, claiming to be 400 and 0 in street fights, or just in fights in general. In right? all types of contests of this combat. Is, this is an absurd number. It is absolutely absurd. Not only for its like sheer volume of fights, if you just categorize it, that's if you do 100 fights a year, that's even still crazy. That means you're fighting every three days over four years. That's, that's insane. I'm yeah. sure he would say it was over his entire lifetime, but... Yeah. There's also news articles of him losing like sambo matches to people and then complaining about the rules. So, so can't be four hundred no like that. Yeah, it's just something that he. I, I would stop the go, count. I would go to say that if you go up to him even in, in his old age, especially in his old age, he'd be like, "No, it's probably closer to four fifty or five hundred. I'm like, it's, <laughs> "That's crazy." But there are some people that like believe this. Oh yeah, he four hundred no. That's why he's the goat. It, it's just Im- impossible to believe. Um, yeah, if you've been in 400 fights, then you need to find more things to do with your time. Yeah. Giovanni, uh, what's next? So, next one, we're going to keep it on the Gracies. Something that a lot of people and probably a lot of our listeners didn't know that the Gracies have uh, a f- family of cousins that is also fam- fa- uh, famous, the Machado brothers. Yeah. So, this is something that maybe some jiu-jitsu people just don't know off the top of their head. But there is also another famous uh, jiu-jitsu family called the Machados, and they are just related to the Gracie family. I think they're just literal cousins. Um, right? to, for, for some context, right, like the Machado brothers were, was the family that Chuck Norris trained with. I believe he got his black bone jiu-jitsu from, from the Machados. And there's a lot um, of celebrities with them, too. Yeah, as well. So, like, um, I know that Keanu Reeves trains with one of the Machado brothers. Ashton Kutcher. Ashton Kutcher. Um, also, John... Chalk, I, for, I forgot his full name. John Jock. John Jock Machado. He also gave uh, Eddie Bravo his black belt. So yeah. tenth, there would be no 10th Planet without the Machado brothers for all you 10th Planet heads. Yeah, I think when we're talking about like the history of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, a lot of people like to chalk it up to the Gracies having right. a huge part. And they did. They had their own part. But also people forget about other influential families such as the Machados. And also other lineages that actually don't have Gracies in them at all, which there's yeah. quite a few. Yeah. We're definitely going to get to some of those. So that that's just basically it. Just remembering the Machados and people sometimes, uh, especially Higgin. Shout out to Higgin. <laughs> Shout out to Higgin. I'm, I'm Higgin Junior. Yeah. Some people like, whenever Ray doesn't come in, I say you went full Higgin. <laughs> um. Well, to transition us into our next topic in this tier about offspring. So Helio and Carlos had a no a numerous amount of offsprings. Yeah, this one is crazy. I think <laughs> we're about to get like just. 
maybe maybe just a shade darker a little bit but one thing that people don't really know is how big the gracie family actually is right um i think there there are cases where kelio and carlos were having children like well into their 60s and 70s right God damn. they uh, if you look at like the full um family portraits like if you just google images like gracie family in its entirety yeah it's, it's like 20 kids on each side by like um, Carlos and Helio a piece, right? These people had so many kids, and I understand like maybe it's a cultural thing. Maybe they knew like it was a cult thing. Yeah, like, they were telling. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just gonna come out and say it was bugged out. Like if there was an article you could read on Grantland about this called "The Hundred Years of Arm Bars," but one of the things that really stuck out to me was at one point I, I don't want to get this wrong, but one of them I think it was Helio, because I'm just gonna shit on Helio. Why not? Uh, <laughs> He told he told one of their business partners, he's like, oh, you know what would be good? Because his business partner and his business partner's wife were having trouble having kids. So he's like, you know what? I could help you. I'll just, you know, bang your wife and I'll give her some sons. And then you can name your sons after me, too. Just like stuff like that, which is crazy. That's crazy. Oh, you mean I mean, the math adds up. The math maths. <laughs> the math but maths. The math maths. But if you're if you, the way you're trying to get laid sounds like a, like the first two minutes of like a Pornhub video, like this is the storyline part, then that's crazy. That's crazy, yeah. Um, so that's just one thing about like uh, the crazy family that maybe some people don't examine enough. Squirt emoji. <laughs> um, so a lot, like Ray said, the crazy family gets a lot of its credit to you know a lot of the credit for the growth in jiu-jitsu, the start of jiu-jitsu. Um, Mitsuuso Maeda was oh, there. Mitsuo Maeda. Mitsuo Maeda was their instructor, right? Um, but. I think what a lot of people forget is that he didn't do this out of the kindness of his heart. Oh, yeah, right? for sure. He wasn't a ronin. Right. Yeah, some people think he was like this grand philosopher from the East that stumbled off of the boat. Philosopher saw, King. Saw Helio and Carlos like playing in the grass. I'm like, these are my disciples. He was now. like, they're the chosen ones. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. He saw them. He's like, these people need to learn how to play guard because they're too weak. That's not nah, The Gracie family um, has money going back to outdates my great grandparents probably. They're a bunch of rich um, people from Scotland. That's the other thing. They're, they're from Scotland. Like, yeah. If you go back far enough, not Brazil. Yeah, that's, so like, that that's another that could be another episode, right? How deep do these roots go? Um, but they hired um Maeda, they paid like they paid him for his service. For private lessons. Yeah, like and you know, he showed them the stuff, but they weren't the only family who they weren't the only people who hired him, right? Yeah. Um but yeah, it wasn't out of the kindness of their heart. They weren't the chosen ones, so they I bought know the temp pack and he made them <laughs> run laps. Yeah. Um, and we do have one more topic left in this tier, and that's steroids. Oh, I love steroids. Oh, yes. oh wait, no, yeah. that's not worth. So it's not you, a mission episode. <laughs> I'm Maddie. <laughs> if you train jiu-jitsu long enough, you'll probably hear a rumor or two about steroids in the culture. Yeah, this isn't any specific case. It's more just how prevalent steroids is, and you'll just start to hear memes about like, oh, this guy must be on steroids. Like, oh, do you think this guy's on steroids? And like, obviously, like, so you'll start to hear these rumors about like. People being on steroids, who's not on steroids. Oh, this guy is good at jiu-jitsu. He must be on steroids. Right. That's true. <laughs> um, we've, we've definitely talked about steroids on multiple episodes here. Um, steroids have been around forever. They'll probably be around for, forever in this sport. I mean, sport. steroids weren't around forever. Well, I mean, in the sport. Um, yeah, pretty yeah, much. In jiu-jitsu, as far as I know, it's it's existed um, for a while. And we're going to come back to steroids, specifically how some schools have like made it part of their culture. Yeah, yeah, you know, for sure. That's that's deeper on the iceberg. Yeah, that's way deeper. Um, but that pretty much covers uh, the white belt. So now we're gonna promote and get into the blue belt tier. Um, and I, we're gonna start off light, right? One of the other families, or one of the other, um, one of the other families that was uh, 
that were introduced to jiu-jitsu was the Fada family, right? They were the creators of the footlocks. So for, or not the creators, right? But they were the ones that really made it popular in jiu-jitsu. Genitors or whatever. Yeah. And back in the day, footlocks were not seen as popular or weren't seen as the equalizer as they are now. They weren't seen in the good light. They were seen as a suburban technique. Right. And in Brazil, suburban had a completely different connotation from what you might think of as an American. Right. Yeah. I think that there is this huge counterculture around footlocks in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in general, up until recently, up until like the past couple of years where it's really become mainstream and a necessity for professional athletes and even hobbyists to really learn. But when I first started doing Jiu-Jitsu, there was still like a prevalence of culture where people would uh, apply footlocks and it'd be seen as like a dirty technique, right? Yeah. So it was like the equivalent of like a wrist lock, right? Kind of like a, like a cheap way to get an easy submission. But it was really just because people just didn't dedicate themselves to studying um, this specific technique. So full locks have always had like a weird place in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu just in general up until recently where now it's just become another mainstay of the game. Yeah. Um, great. Our next topic in this tier Something that a lot of people don't know is that the IBJJF is owned by the Gracies. Oh, this one's bugged out. This right? one is bugged out. I th- Ray had a great example um, earlier. What, what was that, Ray? So, first of all, like what people don't know is that the IBJJF is a private organization. Is it a for-profit organization, right? It is not, not a ruling body. It is it, not. It's a, not like it, the Olympic Committee. Yeah, right. they shouldn't run your gym. Yeah. Um, they might have to answer to certain sports athletic commissions in the state that they're being operated in because they do host athletic events. Right. But that's about as much like regulations they have to go through. Right. And they say like people need nose piercings before they compete. They can say that. Right. Yeah. If they want to increase the registration fee to $500 a match, they can say that. If they want to add five new belts to jujitsu. They could do that. They like, can do yeah. that. They can not just, a thing. Yeah. Um, so what most people also don't know is that this is run by, I think, Carlos Gracie Jr., right? So, I think so. the son of Carlos Gracie, he's revered not only in the jiu-jitsu space, but also financially and uh, professionally in the jiu-jitsu space because he is the owner of the IBJF. Now, again, this gets shady because what most people also don't know is that Carlos Gracie Jr. is also one of the founders and, uh, I think, head of operations at Gracie Baja, dun, which dun, happens dun. to be... One of the biggest teams competing in the IBJF. They have also won numerous world teams titles in the IBJF. Now they're this, always on the team podium. This wouldn't be a problem if the owner wasn't also the owner of the uh, tournament federation that they're competing under. This and now this is getting and into a lot the, of the analogy. Officials I made. weren't yeah. Grassi Baja referees and instructors exactly. and referees and. So this is where it gets dicey because this is also like, let's say, the owner of like the Tennessee Titans also being the NFL commissioner. Yeah. Right? Or not the, okay. And then the referees were his brothers. Yeah. yeah not this okay. This is crazy. There have been many times and many rumors and speculations, and it's more than speculations, of certain people on certain teams getting preferential treatment during professional jiu-jitsu matches because they're either friends with the ref, they're on the same team as the ref, or, and this is getting bugged out, but... There might have been a paper slipped or an order coming in from like a, an earpiece where they say, hey, don't count that as points, right? Remember, this is my athlete yeah. and we kind of need him to win, right? That's just my personal opinion, but definitely not in the realm of possibility. Yeah, I mean, you know. Some shady stuff happens when, you know, you have a team that's competing in the organization that you also own. And uh, I mean, and it makes sense, right? Like a lot of the 
things that we constantly complain about the IBJF, knowing that who's behind it and you know how some of the things are unfair, totally adds up. Yeah. Um, but to continue on hating on the Gracies, um, the Gracie family has a history of colorism. Ooh. So so now we now we get a little spicy. Somebody put in the cayenne pepper in that I'm fucking be quiet pot for this one. Um, <laughs> Ray, so, so Ray, what do you think about the color? Ray, what, what the do you think about family? this? So, quite literally, there have been people that have gone on record, specifically in the Gracie family, saying that they have been treated differently than other members that are more prevalent in the Gracie family. That they tend to push more into the spotlight, just for the simple reason that they are of a different complexion, right? Quite literally, the darker members of the Gracie family claim to be treated differently and uh, be ignored more and seem to have to prove themselves more just because of the color of their skin. Now, if you look at some of the popular pictures of the Gracie family with Halo standing next to 18 of his sons, you'll see that most of them are fair skinned. But coming from a country as rich in uh, diversity. diversity as Brazil, you'll have people from many different uh, backgrounds, some of them from... I guess uh, where they have a little bit more melanin in their skin, right? A little bit more complexion. So people end up marrying other people, people end up having kids with other people, and you're going to have this mix just presented in their skin complexion, right? And these people, the darker members uh, of the Gracie family, or I shouldn't say darker members of the Gracie family, but like darker complexion of the members of the Gracie family, just say that they have been treated very differently than some of the more fair-skinned members of the Gracie family. And as we know, that's just no reason to treat anybody differently. Um, but it's just something that people don't really want to talk about, but people from the Gracie family have gone on record, not like really condemning the family as a whole, but definitely talking about an obvious change in attitude between them and other members of the Gracie family. Um, yeah, no, nah, we don't condone any like colorism, racism, none of that. This ain't the fifties or sixties, like everybody needs love. So if you still be- have those kind of beliefs, fuck you for that. Um, next is it more Gracie stuff? Yes, there is more oh, Gracie stuff. Oh, yes. They're coming for us. So, we're getting lynched. Yes, we're, they're definitely coming for us. I think, but that's the thing, right? I think a lot uh, the earlier tiers, they're making, it's easy to make fun of the Gracies. Um, well, they do it to themselves. Yes. Specifically, it's easy to make fun of the Gracies just because they were the pioneers of introducing or popularizing the sport. Right. So they were involved in a lot of the bugged out shit that happened. Absolutely. For the first few years of this sport in America, it was called Gracie Jiu-Jitsu until there was a lawsuit about other gyms calling their gyms yeah. Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. So it's, it only makes sense that we'd be talking about them as like, much as they we were do. pretty much the only people really doing this right and the people that were like uh the purveyors of brazilian jiu-jitsu so it makes sense that a lot of the early stuff that we're talking about just happens to be around them yeah i mean um but on that note um be talking about a lot of people claiming to be gracies the next topic in this tier is fake gracies yes so this is the topic that uh anthony wanted to to get to so so, so i think there's when we talk about fake gracies there's two ways to look at it number one there are people who they are related to the Gracies, but maybe their name, their last name isn't Gracie. Like we kind of talked about it with the Machados, where it's like right. they're they're Gracie, they're related to Gracies, but right. their last name isn't Gracie. And then there's other people who like Hodger's a great example where his mother is a Gracie, but and his father, I think his father's last name is Gomez or something like that. I'm not sure, but his father's last name isn't Gracie. I'd be kind of bugged out if they're. Both his parents are Gracie's. <laughs> that would be a different iceberg chart. Oh, yeah. But it's like he goes by his mother's last name and it's and it's solely as a marketing thing. And I get it. Like, I guess I would do it, too. But it's like that's like a kind of it's kind of like a funny thing about it. I know about, you know, fake names and stuff like that. But like then there's other people who are just like their name is like like Ray said, their name's John Smith. And they're like, oh, yeah, my name's actually Julio Gracie because <laughs> I like jujitsu so much. And they just call themselves Gracie just to call themselves Gracie. Like, um. 
That happened with Victor Belfort. I think he was originally called Victor Gracie for a while. <laughs> oh, that's right, because he trained in like under a Gracie gym, right? Yeah. So they that's were they wild. were calling him Victor Gracie for a while. Yeah, they and wanted to market him as a member of the Gracie family because at the time he was like this nineteen year old MMA phenom mm. and they want to be like, No, he's a part of our family, but he biologically had nothing he to had do with them. He had nothing to do with them. Yeah. In any way. And I I think it's just because there's a few guys like that, you know, more power to them, but if your sensei is like, Oh yeah, you know, us, big us. I'm whatever, whatever, Gracie. I mean, maybe he is. Like we said, they have 500 fucking kids. But, like, maybe he's not. Yeah. Maybe. I might change my last name to Gracie now I said it. You know what? This podcast might be the... We might change it to the Gracie podcast. The Gracie podcast. The first <laughs> half of it is going to be the Gracie podcast. And then the second half is going to be the crazy American podcast. <laughs> As it gets deeper and darker, it's a lot more Americans involved. Um, and the last topic in this tier um, are the exaggerated Halio stories. Oh, dude. Right? Let, let me talk about yes, this Yes, go for it. So... This is kind of the reason why I started this podcast. Um, and one of the reasons why the first episode in our podcast was the cult of BJJ. I have never seen a bigger cult of personality <laughs> in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu just developed around one person. And th- the amount of stories and the amount of just absolute ludicrous stories that I've heard about Helio Gracie is insane. Let me share one of them. So it's Ray's story time again. So I heard this on, I actually think it was on like a Hickson documentary where he's talking about like how much he loves his dad. And like, so apparently Hickson Gracie gets challenged by a Valley Tudo guy. If you don't know what Valley Tudo is, we'll get into that. Oh, yeah. So he gets challenged by a Valley Tudo guy. All you need to know is just another, another martial art. And it, it just escalates out of proportion where there, it's, not, it's no longer going to be a fist fight. It's going to be like, I'm going to kill you. I thought it was you. a Lucha Libre guy, but whatever. It doesn't matter. There's just like, another guy. I'm going to kill you, right? So there's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be my friends. And how are you going to kill five people? And he's like, well, I'm going to bring six people. And it's like, oh, I'm going to bring seven. And it just blows up to eventually oh, like man. what Hickson says. And this is where it starts getting out of proportion where he's like, on each side, we had like 200 people. It was like half the favela versus the other half of the it was favela. Braveheart. It was the end of Braveheart. It was the end of Braveheart. <laughs> <laughs> they had paint on their face. They had giant swords. And they were looking at each other and they saw that like that some people had chains, some people had knives, some people had guns. And Hickson thought like, oh, this is getting out of proportion. Like people are going to die in this fight but i'm not gonna back out like i'm gonna fight these I people go 401 to right now but then all of a sudden out of the mist helio comes through right he, like this old fragile grandmaster helio <laughs> old man and basically steps in the middle of these two groups of people these two mobs and goes no one is fighting today oh he pulled the noah's ark move on him oh shit and everybody just decides to go home you're and, right grandmaster and then even the other side was like that was the most gangster thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about? None of that happened. That's all fake. All right. None of that happened. But what if it did? No, none of that. I can guarantee you none of that happened, bro. I, I saw I saw a version of that story. And again, that 100 years of arm bars article. So that's the story that's po- uh, propagated quite a bit. The so whole, like, uh, yeah. there are so many Helio stories um, about that, about him that are exaggerated. One, another one, if we're going to do race uh, story time uh, part two, is that he was born very sickly. There, There's stories that he's he like a polio victim. He was a polio victim. He had AIDS. Around. He had bone cancer. Like anything you can think of. He that, invented guard because he couldn't stand up. One of the things that... <laughs> One of the things that is um, said about Helio is that he was so sickly he couldn't even go up a flight of stairs. But this is just so untrue. If you just see the videos that are taking of him as a youth, of him just doing flying arm bars. Yeah, it was clear bullshit. Even before, they have pictures of him from before he started doing uh, jiu-jitsu. He was fucking jacked. 
Like he was like jack for like for a teenager, he was like pretty jacked. He, he was like muscular and he was like on the rowing team. He was like an athletic kid, like anyone else. And maybe he had asthma or something like that. Just because someone's jacked doesn't mean they have don't have health problems. But he was not like a sickly, frail, fucking pencil neck nerd, like which is basically what they're trying to say, and that's just not true. Yeah, they, they all exaggerate these stories in order to build this cult of personality around him. And what this eventually leads to is just this perpetualization of uh, admiring dead figures in our culture in order to also perpetuate certain rules and virtues. Yeah, certain virtues that really don't progress the sport in any way. Like, I, I think, for me, it is so ridiculous when I walk into a jiu-jitsu school, and this happened to me in a school when I was traveling. They had a six-foot size hard plastic cutout of Helio on the wall. I'm like, what are you guys doing? This guy's dead. I'm walking out. Yeah, like, I I'm mean, not I, I didn't have another place to train. That's right. Fair. But it's I'm just, not it's just crazy, so Jumai. crazy. I'm, you're you're going to bring a gi? You're going to walk back out? Like, what are you going to do? Yo, I will not. And, and respect to all the homies that train. Respect to you if you train at a gym and you have to bow. To, I'm not going to bow. The only person who I'm going to bow is if, the only thing I'm going to bow to if you have a frame of a fucking plantain. Like, that's it. Word. That's it. Not, I'm not bowing to fucking Haleo, none of the fucking Gracies, none of, no, none of my instructors. Like, no, that's not something we are doing. So if I see a six-foot anything of Haleo, not deuces. Listen, if you are listening to this podcast and you respect Haleo... And you have the Haleo tattoo. You got the Haleo tattoo. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> You're you, a fucking idiot. You are bugging out. You are bugging the fuck out. Oh, no, just satire. I am not mad saying respect. that. I am not we saying that. We got mad that. respect for you. But what I'm saying is that if I ever open up my own school, there's going to be a picture of nobody on the wall, right? It's just you have to come to class. You have to do the work. And it's not because, like, some old dead guy said that arm bars are the best, right? And he didn't love women. We'll get into that. Oh. It's just, it's just weird that I think people venerate this old dead guy so much, right? I mean, that's common. I, I, we all have people that we look up to and we're like, oh, this person had qualities that I wish to embody. And then that takes on like a separate nature, like the whole idea of hero worship. Like someone could do things that are admirable and virtuous and not necessarily be an admirable, virtuous person. Or even if they are, like, let's say there is that one person who's the greatest person ever. Like, oh, yeah, Jesus was the best. And we're kind of going off. But like, it's okay to like admire someone. But there, there comes a point where it's like, number one, you're admiring someone who... If you ever read his like Playboy interview that's out there and it's in his own words, I don't know if that's the person who I would admire. <laughs> and number two, it's like just because you admire things about someone doesn't mean you should admire them in their totality. Just because someone's good at violence doesn't mean that they're a good person. I think that should be obvious. That's a great way to sum it up. Giovanni, what's um, next? Oh, well, I, I lied. That was not the last topic of this oh, year. We actually Lord. have one more, and that's the Valetudo f- being for poor people. Uh, oh. Ray, Ray mentioned Valetudo a little bit, so I'll let him take this. So... This is where this is a great segue, and I love talking about this. So, I think this is one of the last Gracie family ones. But one thing that people don't know is that when they were starting jiu-jitsu schools, they want to they want to like like um, perpetuate this narrative that they were like ambivalent teach. Or sorry, uh, not ambivalent, um, benevolent teachers of the sport. That they were just spreading Gracie jiu-jitsu around White the world. Saviors of Brazil, <laughs> but they weren't. They were running a business. I mean. I, so I take it from somebody who actually helps run a jiu-jitsu business. Right. God forbid that somebody tries to make money doing what they know, right? But the story that they were just teaching people off the street, teaching the favelas, teaching the people of Brazil this art is just not missionaries, true. Missionaries, jiu-jitsu yeah. missionaries. It's not true. 
they were running a business, they were teaching people, and if people couldn't afford to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and again, you have to pay the gym membership, you have to buy the geese, sometimes multiple geese, right? You have to pay for seminars, you have to pay, I think you even had to pay for your ceremonial ranking. Like, if you got a new belt, you have to pay for the diploma. It's a lot of money, I right? also want to point out, a lot of that shit still exists under certain of, some of these Gracie Baja schools. So for like, sure. Yeah. For sure. So, a lot of the people, and Brazil, I'm not talking shit about Brazil. I'm pretty sure I love it as a country I've never been. I love Brazil. Brazil. I love Brazil. But one oh, thing boha. that is obviously known is that there are people who struggle economically in that country. Like, everybody, like, people who do in a lot of the other countries right around the world. Like me, in this country. But if... <laughs> <laughs> Help! If you were a person struggling financially in Brazil, right, and you wanted to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you couldn't. You just couldn't afford it. They would turn you away, right? And so this led to certain people in uh, Brazil at the time to um, found another sport called Valley Tudo, which was uh, basically nogi grappling at its um, core. So it took do you elements. Mean Lucha Libre? Is that what you mean? So, yeah, I'm sorry. Lucha okay. Libre, not Valley Tudo. Because Valley Tudo is, Valley like the, Tudo MMA is the MMA rules. fight. Yeah. yeah okay. So, uh, just for, uh, I'm very sorry. I've been referring to Lucha Libre, not Valley Tudo. Uh, if I've said Valley Tudo previously in the podcast, just I probably meant Lucha Libre. Just Lucha. term switch for all, yeah. just, all yeah. those previous. So, uh, Lucha Libre was the grappling sport that took essences from like judo, sambo, and some rumors that I even heard was that there were some people who didn't really care about like the cult mentality of uh, uh, Grace Jiu Jitsu and just taught it to some people. Um, without their instructor's permission, right? So, Valley Tudo was... Oh, sorry. There I go again. <laughs> Luta Livre was the martial art that was basically for the poor people of Brazil, right? It's like no-gis, more leg locks. Yeah, lo- no-gi, more leg locks. And they frequently had, um, I guess, beef with the Gracie Jiu-Jitsu practitioners. They would have challenge matches between Luta Livre practitioners and um, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu practitioners. And more often than not, the Gracie Jiu-Jitsu people would say that they would win just in order to, um, I guess, advertise or use it as a marketing ploy to uh, advertise their sport as the better one. Um, but as we know, a lot of them got leg locked and they turned to little fucking bitches and started complaining they got, about it. They got it. leg locked and then a week later they showed up with their boys and some pipes. <laughs> they just jumped <laughs> well, the stand. Well, actually, that leads us right into our next tier. And the first topic is the Gracie street fights and beach fights. So it, during their part of their promotion was showing up to the beach and just much like when they did to showing up to other academies they were like yo i do jiu-jitsu here's a fight and a lot there's a lot of video online right of the gracies going up to people in the beach fights and stuff but it's just another outdated form of marketing right they were trying to obviously grow their business yeah so the thing that's the reason why this is low on like the uh, iceberg or lower on the iceberg than let's say like the Gracie Challenge matches. Right. It's because the Gracie Challenge matches, a lot of those were people coming into jiu-jitsu schools at the time in like the 90s or the 80s, whenever it was, and was being like, hey, I practice martial arts. I think I can actually beat you in a fight. Right. Let's set something up. We'll set up rules and then we'll fight each other, which honestly doesn't sound too bugged out, right? If two people want to do mutual combat in a martial arts space, both agree to terms and they both eventually like um, give up when the other person wants to give up, then that sounds like pretty much like a smoker and then like a Muay Thai setting, right? Right. But what the Gracie Street Fighter Beach Fight was, was that these Gracie instructors or Gracie family um, relatives would just go to the streets, go to the beaches in Brazil and just start beefing with people. For you no guys reason. know that cartoon where there's like the little nerd hanging out with his girlfriend yeah. and then some jock comes up to him and kicks sand in his face and then the nerd gets jacked and comes back? 
They wanted to be the bully. They wanted to be the bully going up to the nerd and kicking sand in his face. And that's what they would do. They would do that. They would find people and pick fights with them and then beat their ass and say, oh, you know, that's what Gracie Jiu-Jitsu is. And I'm sure every single fight wasn't that way. But like, again, to go back to that Playboy article, when you read about Helio getting into fights, by his own admission, he started most of these fights for no reason. He's like, just some guy looked at me. I won't repeat exactly what he said. He's like, some guy looked at me and I was like, I have to fight him. That's yeah. pretty much what it boiled down to. And it seemed like that was just like, the go-to just thing to do. Like, they were bored. They, they couldn't scroll on their phone for five hours a day. And so they just like, oh, let's, just go, let's just go fight people in the street. I wonder if they would have taken the same kind of risk or approach if they didn't come for money, right? Because you, you have to assume, I mean, obviously, Brazil's in a different country, different rules, different laws and shit. But it's not like you can just go and start fights and there's no repercussions if you're doing this all the time. So at some point, I'm assuming, the law enforcement came up and shit. And being that you have money, it's easy. you're like, oh, easy. Just give people some money get away with this you know or, so I, or, I wonder if that was like an easy thing for them to do to it be could like, be like maybe it was easy to just buy the way out or maybe it was just that like i don't know how law enforcement was in brazil in right. like the 1980s not to surprise anyone but like or maybe it was just that like law enforcement typically didn't get involved in stuff like that i, sure. I know at, at points in american history like recent american history if you got into a bar fight and you killed the other guy the cops would show up and if the witnesses said it was a fair fight they were like word and they would just leave right so it's just like different times have different rules of law yeah, yeah. It's just one thing that like people see these beach fights and these street fights and say like, oh yeah, Gracie Jiu Jitsu rocks, right? My instructor can beat up your instructor. Bushido. But literally, your instructor just ass- we're watching like a live league video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like your instructor just assaulting some guy on the beach. Like this is not cool. Like why are you using like your instructor physical- saw some girl that he liked and is like, I'm gonna beat up her boyfriend because yeah. I'm psychotic. And then market <laughs> to her boyfriend who just yeah. beat up like, hey, you want to get your girlfriend back? Come do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Yeah. And that's crazy. That is insane. Buy the 10-pack and run laps. And then if you buy enough of those, that's what's up. So we're in the purple belt tier, and this is where we start to get into the more westernized oh. or Americanized Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Is this conspiracies. a sex crime tier? This is not the sex crime tier yet, okay. so we don't have to okay. give another content warning just yet. But the next one we're going to go into is a great segue. This is actually the last uh, Gracie one, which is Helio's views on women. I'm not marrying into the Gracie family after this podcast. Yeah, no. Nah. I thought it could happen until, <laughs> until just now I realized it's not happening. So I don't think much has to be said about this because I don't want to spew some of the abhorrent opinions that Helio has about certain people who you do Google the sport. It. You can definitely Google it. Everything we said is Googleable, by the way. You can YouTube videos on Helio just staring into the microphone, staring into the camera. And saying some bugged out shit. Bugged H- H- out. Helio, he would have been down with Andrew Tate. I think we could just leave it at that. Yeah. To be honest. Of That's course, I'm paraphrasing it. But one of the things that I think was like one of like the least bugged out things that he said was that even though this guy had at least over 14 kids, right? He said that he never actually loved anybody, never actually loved a woman because love is for the weak, right? So it's just he said so he never had sex for fun. Let hate triumph. It, it is. It is so bugged, and that's not even. Like the tip of the iceberg is some of the stuff he said. Again, I don't want to repeat it because it's honestly like crazy, like what he got away with. <laughs> and this is why I'm like, why do people celebrate this guy? Anyway, if you want to look it up, just look up Haleo Gracie interview. I'm sure something will like play, he'll play is a Playboy interview. It's from like 1999 or something like that. It's it's definitely out there. It's you crazy. Should, good read. Um, now we're gonna move into the next one, which is like kind of like this. Cultural phenomenon that happened a couple years ago on Instagram in the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu community, which is BJJ Steroids. Oh, It was an Instagram account called BJJ Steroids, and it was probably the first 
online account that actively called out people who they believed were on steroids. And it wasn't just actively call out. Some people would say like it might have been bullying. But I mean, he was basically bullying people who were cheating in the sport. And I, I mean, and I, and I think like bullying is a strong word. All the all this person was doing was just pointing out facts, and, and some of it was opinion, right? But even the opinions was ro- were rooted in facts. Um, BJ steroids is the, I will say was a short lived, but it is missed, um, especially please because come back. please come back, um, especially because like I think what. The, the biggest thing for me was, like, he said what a lot of people were thinking, right? Like, up until that point, the conversation about steroids wasn't, like, really... It wasn't really open at that yeah, time. Yeah, it, it wasn't open. It wasn't, like, something you can openly discuss and shit like that. And then BJ Steroids came out of nowhere like a fucking hurricane and it started calling people out. And what was crazy about it, um, and I don't remember what worlds this was exactly, but there was a specific school who got really, really butthurt about this. Right. Um, but oh my God, I'm gonna I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm let Ray t- tell this story because um, he's a little bit better at it. But point shout being, shout out to Lucas Barboza. Shout out to green-haired Lucas Barboza. What a what I'm a, a huge moment. fan. Oh, God, I say the, that not ironically. Yeah, it's an ironic timing to bring it up. Like, yeah, I think he's great. He's so. he's fantastic. <laughs> I guess there's a couple of Ray story times in this episode, <laughs> but let me tell this one. So. It was Worlds 2018 or 2019, I believe. I, I think it was 18, but it, it could have been 18, something like that. Worlds 2018. And BJJ Steroids basically makes a post on their account. And this is after months of basically making memes of certain people that are suspected of being on steroids. Some who have been confirmed today. Some that, some that definitely been confirmed today. It's like pictures anyway. of like Andre Gaval with like cartoon needles sticking out of his head. And shit. It was pretty funny. It was it was hilarious. We're not going front. It was pretty funny. It was funny. So he makes a post on his story saying that he will be present at the IBGF Worlds event, which started to incite a lot of members of certain teams to go looking for him. Now, don't ask me how I know this, but BJ Steroids asked. For several people at the event to take pictures of themselves, or rather not themselves, but of their location at the event, so that BJJ Steroids could have multiple, basically, um, accounts that he was at multiple places at once, right? So to almost like trick the guys who are looking for him into like <laughs> trying like to find his red, yeah, trying to find this red herring in uh, the world's event. What ended up happening is that s- somebody saw a certain person take photos of the arena and then use this description to tell their senior teammates that, hey, I found BJ steroids. He looks like blank and blank, right? So using this description, <laughs> Lucas Barboza and another member of the Atos team go confront somebody who matches the description but is not this person at all. Now, now I'm going to pause you real quick right here. Now just to give you some, it like close your eyes and think about, think about Godzilla and King Kong coming at you, right? Because literally this is what it's like, right? These two over 215, over 220 pounds coming at you. One has green hair, calls himself Hulk. The other dude looks like fucking Johnny Bravo reincarnated who just ate mad horse meat. And these dudes are coming at you. How they're are flexing you? on you. It, not only, they're they, standing over you. They're they, yelling at you. They have the shirt three sizes too small. They have a Dominican fit on. They have jeans that look tight that will, if they fart, it'll make a hole in it. Like, that's how they look. And they're coming at you angry. They don't look, they don't have a smile on their face. They're like, oh, we found BJ steroids. We're going to go fucking hurt him right now. So they confront this kid who matches the description of what their teammates said, or who their teammate believed to be BJ steroids. But this was just another competitor at the event. 
He had no idea why Lucas Barbosa <laughs> was spitting in his face, yelling at him. It's like, wow, nice to meet you, Lucas. Wow. <laughs> what a guy. Can I get a picture with you? And what's even funnier is that the people that BJJ Steroids contacted to take photos, take photos of this happening. And BJ yeah, Steroids was like, you didn't catch me. I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm watching you. And it just led to like, basically, Lucas Barbosa almost assaulting an innocent person. Right? So... I Shout out to Lucas Barbosa. There were many people. <laughs> Killer of the community. Bendejo of the week goes to Lucas Barbosa now. Okay. <laughs> 2018. It's episode minus 500. <laughs> it was, you know, overdue. So Lucas Barbosa, Pendejo of the week for trying to assault somebody who honestly just wanted to go to the IBGF World's event. So now we're going to get into something that might be a little bit darker. Um, so now this is where we're going to give our content warning. If you get stressed out or if you don't like listening to accounts of physical violence, sexual violence, if or this upsets you. if this upsets you, well, I, don't, I don't think anyone likes it. But yeah, if it's yeah. going to particularly upset you, then then maybe you should stop listening to the podcast here. The first one that we're going to go over is the Murillo knife attack that happened at the ADCC a couple of months ago. So this one is just very basic, right? So Murillo Santana, owner of the head gym at Unity in New York City. Was ref- was coaching a match with one of his athletes, and the match got pretty physical. Um, I would even go as far as to say that I watched the video, and his athlete was basically getting assaulted. Right? He was um, getting slapped around. It, yeah. The match is pretty much over at this point. Yeah, the match is over. Yeah. They, they start breaking it up. I, I, I even think- the referee gets involved, but what Murillo Santana does is that instead of looking at uh, basically looking at the events play out and just using his coach and in- coaching influence to, to just say that. Hey, this is over. What is he doing? Yelling at the I mean, referees. They, they, they did start fighting. Yeah. I, I think that was the thing. It's like they were slapping. The guy's like, yo, what the fuck? The ref breaks it up. They start shoving and pushing. People start getting involved. And allegedly, Marilla Santana runs onto the mat, starts assaulting the other competitor who's assaulting his competitor, and allegedly pulls out a knife onto the other competitor and is banned from the ADCC tournament forever. Right? This is crazy. Right? This is just a jiu-jitsu match, and I understand people get slapped up, people get mad, but to try to assault somebody with a deadly weapon in a Brazilian jiu-jitsu tournament is insane. Um, so this is, <clears throat> I'm gonna jump in here real quick. Um, it is insane. I do not condone any violence, um, X, Y, and Z, all that. However, um, to give some context, right? Um, the opponent that Murillo student, right, because I believe it was uh, Jefferson who was fighting, he was fighting a guy, and it could be wrong about his name, so I'm not going to say his name, but the same guy had fought um, J-Rod, right, out of the B team. Oh, they yeah. had a match at the ADCC East Coast Trials in Jersey in November, um, and this was, I think it was 2019, it could have been. been like a 2019 Tw- something, something, something like, like that. No, no, it was after that, because um, this was after COVID and all that stuff. Okay, but uh, either way, he, there was East Coast Trials, um, and J-Rod had him in a buggy choke, and in his escape was to stand up and try to slam J-Rod into the table. Oh, yeah, the guy who exalted Jefferson Garcia, Marilson Tennyson, is also completely yeah, bugged no, out. He, is, he's, he was also suspended yeah. um, for, for life, I believe, because this is not the first incident he's been in. Yeah. So in the match, I'm not sure, I think there was heavy collar ties between Jefferson and this guy, and the guy just, like, slapped him, and Jefferson didn't like it. And I, you know, then uh, 
fight ensued and Murillo or the first video that you saw you saw Murillo run and he's just trying to he, he um, tries to jump in and help out his absolutely student. so w- uh, more context right um, in Murillo's place not only is he seeing his uh, student who he's seen as a kid um, get assaulted but he also is probably still in shock because a few weeks or f- not long before that um Leandro Lowe was unfortunately murdered. So like Lowe and Murillo, you know, being so close. So he he obviously had that and I can't speak for him, but I'm sure that that was still in his mind. So to see his student get assaulted and shit, like for him, I'm sure he was just triggered and he he just saw red, right? Um, That said, I do not condone pulling out a knife, which is what allegedly happened and all that stuff. And obviously like when you're in a position, when you're a coach, like it is your responsibility to be the level-headed one. Um, But I, as, as and I guess like that's the objective response as a man, right? And as a you know, from a coach's point of view, you're Hold like, me back. yeah, like that's my, I, I, you know, that's somebody who means a lot to him outside of jujitsu because you you seen this kid growing up, like you've helped him outside of this. So you know, for sure, I can understand where like the instincts kick in, and you're like, oh, I gotta go defend my guy, you know. But definitely not condoning w- weapon pulling because at the end of the day, this is a grappling event. That that's like throwing gasoline on a fire, and that doesn't fix the, the issue. Notice you know? how notice how political I'm gonna be about. Someone who is uh, very close to where I am physically. You know, <laughs> if, if I was real, I would pull that knife too. <laughs> no, not, no, pull, no, not no, pulling no, out that knife. I would not pull out a knife. Um, but I think, I think what people were saying at the time, all the Murillo truthers is how I describe them. <laughs> is they're like, yo, he, he saw his boy getting his ass whooped. Or, you know, people were like mobbing him and he jumped in to help him out. And then by the time he jumped in to help him out, there was a situation where now there was like four or five people standing really close on top of him who he didn't recognize. Yeah. And I think they were like like finished like refs from the ADCC, but he doesn't know who the fuck they are. It's just yeah. a bunch of big dudes next to him. He bugged out and you know he pulled a knife. And again, I wouldn't have pulled a knife because I, I don't walk around with a neck knife personally. That's just not who I am. But yeah. like But like I, I definitely again not condoning it, but I understand like where he could be triggered, right? With all of these things going on. You're already at an event, you've been there all day. So there's definitely so many factors. That said, it is still bugged out. I don't want him, you know, that you shouldn't be pulling out weapons. I don't uh, want Ray to pull out the, the neck knife when yeah, I'm at grappling yeah. in the Nah, industries. nah, I'd, I'd be scared if he did that. All right. Once again, everything that we say on this podcast is satire. We do not None of that anything. stuff happened. There's no video. No. no. <laughs> we made it up. We actually don't do jujitsu. That's true. Now for our next <laughs> one on the purple belt tier list. Uh, on, sorry, on the purple belt tier of the iceberg. Ryan Hall's open letter <laughs> to the Uh-oh. community. This is where we start getting a little dark, right? Oh, if we haven't already been getting dark. Oh, man. So, a few years ago, more than a few years ago, Ryan Hall, who was a member of a prevalent competition team called Team Lord Irving, wrote a letter to the jiu-jitsu community as a whole warning about the cult of personality that can um, be established around certain gyms and gym instructors. And he was referencing the... Uh, environment that was being established at Team Lord Irving where certain patterns of behavior that would otherwise be deemed as unacceptable were being permissed or criminal or criminal or being permissed in this environment just because of um, like the aura of respect that people had for this individual just because they were the leader of the environment. So long story short, Ryan Hall eventually left the team of Team Lord Irving, and this was seen as like a big, um, like a huh moment in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because 
you know, he was very ride or die for Team Lloyd Irving. Lloyd he, Irving's like one of the most popular American teams at the time. They were yeah. producing all these black belts in like three years who were like actually winning. Plus Ryan's stock was pretty high at that time because he was like, I would say, in his prime in terms of jiu-jitsu of competition. Yeah. yeah, so. We'll get into more detail about what specifically or what okay, allegedly. I was going to say, is there another yeah. Lloyd Irving tier? Because I have like oh. the longer story oh, yeah, <laughs> like backed up in my brain. So what allegedly happened at the Team Lloyd Irving camp but he basically warned the jiu-jitsu community as a whole about the formation of cult of personality around a specific instructor and how this can have negative repercussions um, to just people's lives. If your instructor unironically makes you call them grandmaster and has a mural of themselves on their McMansion and they bring you over Red and flag. they serve you Kool-Aid, they might not be cool. If, if they're doing it as a joke, that's still like whatever, but like... I mean, I do that shit as a joke. But, like, if they're doing it, like, no, I'm dead serious. You have to call me Grandmaster. No, that's not it. Yeah. yeah. So if you want to read it, it's still online. Yeah. It's, Ryan it's, Hall's pre open it's pretty long, right? But I think um, it does still have some uh, pretty relevant information. That's what the, if, our, the first yeah. episode of the show was about. It was about cult, about cults and jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Right. So now we're going to move on to the brown belt tier. Oh, man. You pretty much only know some of these topics if you've been doing jiu-jitsu for a while. And yeah, I guess posting on Reddit for the last 10 years, then you know. We're going to go into, um, right into the Team Lloyd Irving one, which on the iceberg, if you look on it, is called LloydIrvinRape.com. Now, do not look that up. Right? Please. Do not have that in your browser do not. history. Um, but Grahalas is going to go into just basically some of the more specific stuff that allegedly happened in the Team Lloyd so, Irvin camp, and then I'll wrap it up with how this ties into LloydIrvinRape.com. So, so Lloyd Irvin, at some point in, I believe, the 80s, or like pre-Jiu-Jitsu, was involved in a, in a gang rape case. And supposedly, people have looked up the paperwork, blah, blah, blah. Uh, this woman was raped. Lloyd Irvin was a part of it. And everyone he was with was convicted. And he wasn't, and his excuse for why he wasn't convicted when like, he took the stand and stuff like that, he said, well, I didn't rape her because I couldn't get hard. That's crazy. So, that's that's crazy. crazy. So he said that, and they're like, yo, word, you're innocent. <laughs> they let him go. <laughs> and then not only did that happen, but after that happened, like, he had all these guys on his team who were like, oh, yeah, that girl's a fucking freak. She deserved it. She was trying to put a case on my boy. And that's crazy. But then it doesn't, of course, if that's what's going on, it doesn't stop there. Of course, it went on to allegations of, like, members of Team Lloyd Irving raping each other. Like, there was one case involving two of his students who went and they raped another one of his students in, a, in a, like, I think it was, like, a parking lot. And it was, like, like 20 degrees below zero or something like that. They left her naked in a parking lot at, like, 2 o'clock in the morning drunk. And it was on camera. And not only did that happen, which is, like, well, I mean, he's not mind-controlling his students. He fucking paid for their de defense. He de paid for their defense. Um lawyers and shit like that and it's like that's and then if you go through it like there's like multiple instances of like convicted sexual offenders who are also team lloyd irving black belts and it's like huh it's funny how all those seem to go together that like the rapist head instructor who makes people to call him grandmaster also seems to engender a culture that like empowers these type of people that attracts these types of people that like essentially rewards this type of behavior and when all this stuff started coming out, Lloyd Irvin, he made a website about it called TeamLloydIrvinRape.com. I think that was the name. And if you looked it up, it's like, oh, yeah, everything that I just said, oh, that shit's fake. That shit never happened. Uh, Lloyd Irvin is a great guy, grandmaster. He loves women. He loves to protect women. And if you are a woman, you should join our Women's Self-Defense Course. 
That's crazy. Which is yeah. crazy. Um, That's crazy. There's there's also this, the truth about LloydIrving.com, something like that. I'm sure you can find that yeah, on Google like as well. Yeah, there's like a counter, like, smear campaign. Yeah. So, I was saying, like, all that stuff's <laughs> fake. Like, there there is, like, counterintelligence to all of this stuff um, as well. Which is bugged out because, like, on the website itself, um, it just complains or not complains but it states how like um this has been a smear campaign and they're trying to stay, put like dirt throw dirt on uh lloyd's name they're jealous it, of our titles and and it it does not address all the allegations that came from all the students right all the uh past present accusations from the school it did touch on the, the previous the the gang rape case right and it was like no that didn't happen he didn't get accused um, he's innocent right but it didn't touch he's on any of that <laughs> so like the the you know, don't get your expectations too high on what you're going to read. Like, clearly, whoever made this counter website is very biased. Um, but it's ne- like, it, once again, nobody wants to address the, the real, like, nasty shit. Like, oh, no, I was clear because I couldn't get hard. And that means alone, I, that's not the case. I'm not going to fucking do this shit. Yeah, I, I think these are obviously, like, travesties that have happened in the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu community as a whole. And we don't mean to make light of any of the transgressions that these abhorrent people have done. No, it's, um, it's crazy. And it's especially crazy because he still he still goes to these events. He's still, like, a lot of his students left, like Keenan and Dominic Cruz. I think JT. Dominic Cruz left. Oh, yeah, Day T. A lot of these guys trained with him and they left. So it was, like, a big deal at the time. But he's, you still see him on Floyd Grappling. Uh, Floyd Grappling. <laughs> Floyd Grappling. He's still on there. He still goes to these events. No, he's still, he still a prominent figure, still a prominent, he's still figure, a prominent right? figure in the community. He still has gyms. If you train in, you know, bumfuck wherever, the only gym you might be able to go to might be a Team Lloyd Irving gym, and that's, that's absolutely insane. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's, it, just like you said, it's absolutely insane that he's still prevalent in the community. And this is, like, something that I just, it's very Orwellian, right? That people like know that there are so many accusations behind them, but still respect them so much. Yeah. Right. Like it, it's this is not like this is kind of like an open secret. And it's like, oh, you train a team Lloyd Irving? That's cool. I didn't know like <laughs> there's. Yeah. I, I know you're a racist. Rapist. <laughs> <laughs> racist. He's probably racist. Crazy. Um. Yeah. And again, we definitely don't mean to make any light of it, but it's just like at some point it does become a little ridiculous. Like, oh, we're just gonna pretend this isn't here. Oh, we're just gonna ignore all this fucking shit. So definitely, um, it it can get very frustrating for sure. Um, so this iceberg goes much deeper than we initially thought. There's two more tiers or actually two and a half more tiers into the iceberg. Uh, but looking at the time right now, I don't think that we'll have enough time to go into all the juicy stuff. So this is actually going to be, have to be our first two part episode, Hell right? Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> so I, I know this is a major cliffhanger. It does get a lot deeper than this. Oh man. And I don't mean that to like, try to like coax you into listening to the next episode. Wait, or maybe I do. This. this is the SVU episode. Yeah. this is. <laughs> you might w- want to take a break. If you're not down with this, get the next episode too. If yeah. This episode, nah, nah. If this is like, oh man, that's crazy. I don't yeah. want to hear Yo, what if comes you, next. You, yeah. If you part one was a lot for you, do, I, as much as we appreciate all the listeners, if part one was a lot, part two might not be for you. Yeah. So we're going to come back next week or whenever we end up filming and releasing this, but we're going to go into some bugged out stuff, right? Actual conspiracies where they may or may not have happened. Who shot JFK? Who (laughs) shot... Right? So, um, again, thank you all for listening. This has been episode 13 of the Latinx Guard podcast. This has been very different, right? Um, 
We do not mean anything that we have said on this podcast so far. Please do not come and stab us. I do. <laughs> Everything I said, I mean. <laughs> and, and I mean, obviously, like, if you do have a problem with what we say, like, yo, we're, we're humans. You can tell us and not, like, get up, like. You, you can tell us and it's fine. Everybody, like, everybody has opinions. Do, will we give a fuck? Probably not. But, like, we appreciate you listening and hating either way. I, ha- I hang out with Ray all day. And I disagree with the fair amount of things that he says. It, it's okay to disagree. And, and, and y'all still boys. We're still boys. And. Well, not really. I, I don't like Ray, but <laughs> as he also, says on my podcast, yeah, that was fast on the guest on his podcast. But there's all like if there might have been something we said that we were mistaken about, like I might have misremembered something or whatever, and it's fine. Like you could tell me and correct me, and, and it's not yeah. a big deal. Also, a lot of our like I guess sources on these events straight come from the internet. Like we didn't hear or from word of mouth from other people who also from heard it from Blaster word of mouth on Reddit. Yeah. <laughs> My Blaster 420 told me this, and I'm, I've been just carrying that shit with me the rest of my life. I'm like, oh yeah. Shout out to Butt Blaster. Orlando Sanchez did that shit. If you are listening to something to like this, and here's something that we just blatantly got incorrect, or you heard a different version of it, or you want to talk more about it, please let us know on our social media. You can find us at Latinx Guard Podcast on Instagram, on Apple Podcast, um, on Don't Spotify. Find me you can find me at Ruckfe Mundo. Giovanni, where can they find you? At Giovanni underscore Rosario. Yeah. And you can find me at chairman underscore foo. I want to say a shout out to my sponsors, CMB Bakery. They're the best. The best in the game. Shout out to 7th Street Burger. 7th Street Burger. They're also another they're sponsor my, of the podcast. They're, my, they're responsible for all my food preps. Shout outs to them. Shout out. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Thank you. If you can, please share our podcast sure, on sure. whatever means you have. Instagram. Your send it to your friends. Your send mom. it to other people where you train at. We'd love to have more Don't people. Don't send it to Morello. Don't. <laughs> Marilla, I didn't say anything bad about you. Yo, like, love, just, share. Either way, we appreciate. Marilla, don't take anything I said out of context. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys. I defended you. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Goodbye.